0: Welcome to today's podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, soon to be joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Sino and Blair Barton, where we'll look at the two-game miniseries against the Winnipeg Jets, which the Leafs completely dominated. We'll look at uh, the first two games of Nick Foligno's tenure with the Maple Leafs, and so much more. Welcome to this podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. This is uh, your host, Pat LaRusso. I'm joined by my two co-hosts this evening, Blair Barton and Anthony Sino. Uh, Welcome, gentlemen. You know, we took a little bit of a hiatus last week. I'm glad that we're able to be back together this week and and get things going. So how have you guys been?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, Everything is on the up and up in terms of uh, a hockey fandom perspective. Leafs are... uh, Pretty much locked up the, the division title, which is good. And um, just uh, good weather, hopefully, uh, coming through more consistently now. Not that we can do anything about it with the golf courses being shut down, but that's a convo for another day. Uh, and
2: uh, just excited to talk hockey with you guys today. Playoff is in the air. Can you, it can is. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. I always just I associate weather and seasons with, uh, with you know my life and where like the hockey seasons at right. So just uh, we're a little bit thrown off here, but it's it's landing around the same time. And uh, you know everything else in my life could be hell right now, but as long as there's playoff hockey, I always got that.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I got a uh, a notification. I was I believe it was Saturday. I want to say maybe even Friday of last week where on Facebook it showed where I was back la- uh, two years ago. And there I was taking photos of Maple Leaf Square as the Leafs were about to open up their series against the Boston Bruins. Uh, so to kind of see where the world's at two years later is kind of crazy. Um, but I'm definitely getting excited about this playoffs. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to what this Leafs roster, um, you know where you know what that outcome will now look like. I'm pretty confident given the progression that we've seen this year and with the players that they've brought in, um, that'll be a much more positive result. But, uh, you know, I definitely want to, uh, you know, lead off this podcast with, you know, your thoughts on the last two game miniseries against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, by most accounts, it was a pretty dominant performance by the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, Jack Campbell came through in game two, you know, you know, made some key saves, you know, to keep the game at 4-1 at times or, you know down to just one goal at time, so that was actually a pretty good positive, but I would like to, you know, first throw it out to Blair, kind of get your thoughts, then we'll go to Anthony.
2: Sorry, you, you cut out there for a second, I didn't hear the the, the first part.
0: Yeah, just want to kind of get your thoughts on the uh, the two-game miniseries against Winnipeg that the Leafs just completed over the right. weekend.
2: Gotcha, yeah, no, it was... Uh... I thought it was awesome, <laughs> um, you know, especially you know going into the, even the couple of days between the game, just talking about how the Leafs are a dirty team and and uh, what well, was laughable, but um, you know, and then, then you see it going into Game Two with with Thornton, and uh, you know that that was awesome. it brought back a lot of memories. Like uh, he channeled as in uh, Joe Thornton channels in or Darcy Tucker, so. <laughs> It's <laughs> it was awesome. And I uh, know it's great to see how they're playing. It's great to see, you know, Campbell bouncing back. Um, I mean, as a, as a team and uh, it's just nice to see that fiery competitive playoff hockey that they're that they're been able to put through at times this season. If you go back to the, the Edmonton series, um, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And um, Winnipeg's just such a deep team. Um, it was some impressive wins. I mean, they weren't perfect, but uh, I'll take them.
0: And Anthony, how about yourself?
2: Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to basically
1: echo what Blair said. That kind of felt like a playoff game. Um, every time, not to be a Debbie Downer, but every time a game like this happens, I just it's hard to not think of how it would feel. Um, being in the building or at least like watching it on TV with fans in the building. You know what I mean? Um, But we'll get there one day. Um, But just to be in that moment, you see the fire under the guys, like just everything about that game too felt like, all right, like clearly they, we, like we talk about it all the time, right? Can this team recognize the moment? And I think what they're doing is they're starting to prepare for that uh, for those types of games come playoff time. And, uh, like you see, who was it? I, I think the game, the game started off pretty chippy. And then, uh, Taveras gets, this was after the Sandine hit, I think, which we can get into obviously with the way that kid's playing. But to me, like I audibly gasped, like I live, I was like a loud O sound, uh, came when Sandine blew up Wheeler there. I thought that was a tremendously clean hit and it was just amazing play, amazing, uh, uh, thought process from Sandine. and then after that they started taking runs at Taveras and John got absolutely buried in front of the net after the whistle and Matthews goes and <clears> just <throat> sticks up for him right and to me I kind of feel like when Matthews is getting that physical edge to him that's when I kind of that's my light bulb for me where I was like all right the switch is on and when it's on for him I think it sets the tone <laughs> for everybody in the lineup and just overall, just great to see them win that type of game. And uh, obviously, we'll get more into it. But like that, that's the type of game you want to see this team continue to win.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when you look back at the players Kyle Dubas brought in over the course of the summer and then even at the trade deadline with Felino and, and Nash and, and, you know, obviously Simmons and Thornton in the summertime, um, you know, we saw this team pivot. You know, when Dubis first came on board, you know, his big thing was, you know, we're going to draft for talent and acquire grit um, and, you know, those those intangibles at a later date because it's always easier to acquire those. Um, so it's kind of nice to see his plan come to fruition. Um, it's kind of nice to see, you know, Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton with a little fire in their ass um, and, some, you know, a little bit of a spur in their play as of late. Um, so I think it does motivate some of the other players to really get on board. You know, I, I think we're starting to get into the dog days of the season. Um, you know, the Leafs pretty much have, you know, the division now clinched. Um, so they're pretty much just playing it out just to kind of just get reps in for some of the guys and, and work in some of their plans for the playoffs and so on. So to kind of still see a team fighting and working hard is good. Because this is exactly what you didn't want to see. You didn't want to see a team limp into the playoffs um, like they had the last couple of years. So to kind of see them. With this much fire, this much anger and, um, you know, they're not a dirty team, obviously, but to see them play a little bit more of a physical brand of hockey, um, I think is a good sign. And Anthony, you you know, you definitely hit the nail on the head on that one is, you know, this is what we want to see. This is what, you know, fans have been dying to see. Um, And I think that it's going to bode well for them in the playoffs, no matter who they play, um, you know, as they make their way through to hopefully a Stanley Cup win. Um, But I guess for me, the biggest standout outside of the obvious, like the Matthews and the Marners um, and Tavares Nylander, um, the one person I do want to shine a spotlight on um, is our young defenseman, Rasmus Sandin. I thought he played really well. I think it's what this is only his fourth game in, uh, in the NHL this season. And I thought he played well in both of those games. Um, He was very physical, you know, with that hit on, you know, that reverse hit on Wheeler. Um, I thought the way his vision of the ice was phenomenal. Like, he's he's well beyond his age already in such a young career um just want to kind of get your thoughts on 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 your first take of him uh this season i guess we'll start with anthony first
1: yeah so with with Sandine, i think what what comes to the forefront uh just based off his uh off the very few games that we've seen uh
0: Oh, sorry, we lost Anthony. Blair, do you want to pick? Oh, Anthony, we lost you for a second. You may want to just rewind your thought.
2: Yeah, uh, sorry, I'll jump in there. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, like Sandine, just, uh, you know, poised way beyond his years, obviously. I think everybody's kind of seen and, and watched the same thing and, and has the same, uh, you know, conclusion is that, you know, this guy, he has elite hockey sense um he has gotten more physical he has gotten stronger um and it's been a tough year for him I mean he's hardly he's played a handful of games at any level and uh within the last calendar year uh he did have an opportunity with the Marlies you know got injured a couple times and then they broke again for for COVID and uh I mean it's just it's really great to see it's it's tough to kind of have a player like going into playoffs like that on your third pair. You probably want something a little bit more, you know, physical like Bogosian and, and Hutton and, or Dermott. But, you know, this, this is definitely a top four, uh, at least, defenseman uh, that, that's going to be on our team for a long, long time to come.
0: No, most definitely. And, Anthony, how about yourself? Can,
1: can, we, hear, can we hear me now?
0: Yeah, we got yep. you back on, Anthony. Hello?
1: Yes. <laughs> Oh, appreciate it. How uh, audio is good. Sorry about that voice. Yeah. Uh, So basically, what uh, just with my thought on Sandine, then. So I think that a lot of things that come out uh, come to the forefront with him are his poise with the puck, and his overall um, just his knack for making the right play. Um, At such a young age, I think that's very important for a defenseman. It helps them kind of think like, because when you're young, right, it's very easy to get lost in the, in the chaos. That is the defensive zone for an NHL team, right? So it helps when you're already ahead of the play in terms of making that good first pass and making sure that you're playing as little amount of time as possible in your own zone. And Sandin has that ability. I think what's going to hold Rasmus back is his foot speed I do, I don't think he's a very fast uh, skater. And I know that a lot of, uh, I know we plan on talking about the, the comparison uh, later on, but I'll just bring it up now, is that a lot of people are just saying like, this guy is the heir apparent to Morgan Riley. And, um, and look, that very well might be the case, but I do think that we need to keep in mind that um, this guy is not the exact same as Morgan Riley in terms of his foot speed, um, I don't know if he'll be able to put up uh, a point total that Morgan Riley has been able to do over the last few years. Now, to be honest, Riley's point total has cratered and that does worry me a bit, but I just think that, look, like what Blair said, he's going to be at least the top fourth defenseman for this team. That enough for me is, uh, that is good enough for me to give him a look more looks on, uh, on this current roster. And see if he can run with it. Obviously, the opportunity's there with Bogosian out now for, I think he's got about three weeks left on his injury. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, I think that's right. And then he's really like to me, he's he's past Dermot on the depth chart. If you're asking me, I think oh. with all everyone healthy, I, I think it's Sandine and Bogosian as a third pair. As opposed to Dermot and Bogosian, even though that Dermot Bogosian pairing has produced really good results, I just think that um, Sandine's ability on the uh, power play, even whether it's second or first power play, is more beneficial than Travis Dermot because I don't think Travis plays a lot of penalty kill uh, when everyone's healthy. So, all in all, I just look—he's—he's he's one of the best six defensemen on this team i think everyone can agree on that but i think we all need to be careful with the with the let's just get rid of morgan riley now and just and and maybe the move still is to get rid of morgan riley but let's not expect rasmus Sandin to step in next year and be a 50 to 60 point guy beside tj brody
2: yeah, I started to jump in on that, Pat, but I, I gotta say, I, I saw some of those tweets. I've heard some of that stuff uh, throughout the day on radio. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that you're gonna get rid of Morgan Riley and and be a better team. This guy's underrated. Um, I I know you know he he has his hiccups, and and especially in the Toronto, you know where where. Uh, you know, we know what's going on with players, like we know what what good play is, and and we're pretty hard hard on our defensemen historically. See Jake Gardner, see uh uh what's the what's the gentleman that went the uh, Larry Murphy? Oh, yeah, Larry <laughs> Murphy. Brian McCabe. Um if you can't if you can't play, you know, well in your own zone, we're gonna notice it. And and Briley has a ton of brain cramps that way, but he's also a force, like he skates through the ice. He's a top defenseman. He's a top defenseman in the NHL. He's a top pairing defenseman on most teams um, to get rid of him instead of just having him as well would be a mistake. Um, that's how I see it. I, I think, you know, uh, Sandine in the top four and Morgan Riley in the top pair, or, or maybe, you know, in a year or two, Sandine's with Riley in the top pair, but Morgan Riley should not go anywhere. This, this is a guy that you built your, you know, you can build your defense around and uh, we might, Take a little bit of advantage of having him being on our team but you know this team would be significantly worse without having morgan riley
1: right. Wait, me, sorry, sorry pat let me just jump in on that i'll clarify my point with riley on that is that look i i don't think morgan riley is a fantastic player i just think um if it in just speaking from my opinion If you were to move Morgan Riley, it's not because you don't think that he's a top pairing defenseman or a top four defenseman or whatever you want to categorize him at. I think it's just a matter of what his salary is on his next deal. Right. I think right now he's gotta be 27, going on 27 this year. And he signed for next year. I think, right? He signed for next year. And then the year the year after that is when he becomes unrestricted free agent. So I think so basically his, he, he's gonna be a UFA at the at the time he's like 28 29 so with that being said do you want to be paying for Morgan Riley at seven to eight million for a long term that that to me is where where my uh, where my uh, problem is with extending him, I guess you can say but if, if
2: seven times have to seven, think of Riley at seven yeah. years uh at 27 years old uh well wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be he would be 29
1: because he he's going he's 27 right now
2: so he playing
1: that and he's, he signed as a 28 year old so at 29 he'll be a
2: ufa so yeah i mean i would take that deal all day long for seven million uh for sure it's just but... a
1: it's a, con- it's a conversation in my opinion it's not yeah, it's, a, it's not as much of a slam dunk
2: yeah, I, I did hear that from um, from one of my sources at Sportsnet um, that the plan is to move him this summer, um, but it would have to be for another maybe a right hand version. Uh,
1: you know? I think Dougie Hamilton's a UFA, so that's that's probably that could be someone that they're eyeing. I don't know if he even gets the UFA with Carolina, but that's a, that's something that's been talked about. Is that they move Riley, and then uh, and for for some t- a pick or a prospect or whatever they think they can get for him, and then they use that cap space along with the the cap space that is presumably going to be left over with Freddie Anderson going, and they use that to sign Zach Kyman and another unrestricted free agent defenseman, clearly after the expansion draft.
2: So so the only but, way that i feel okay with that is if they as if they, if they signed his replacement first, like, it, you know, don't bank on the fact that Hamilton's going go to go to, to free agency. How many times has that blown up in the least face? Like going back to Rob Blake, we just assumed that he was going to be, he was going to sign with the Leafs. It all pointed in that direction and it uh, didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, if, if we're not going to, if, if we signed Dougie Hamilton on July one or whenever free agency is going to be this year, uh, I, I'd be happy, man. I would, I would love him to play with Morgan Riley. Um, but, you know, if it's, if it's going to be Hamilton and, and Sandine, you could do a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I think that actually brings me to my, my tweet from yesterday where, you know, I started to see some, and, and Blair, you mentioned, some brain cramps in Morgan Riley's defensive game. I found that there's been like a regression from that one year with Ron Hainsey, where, you know, he was up for like the Norris trophy for league's best defenseman. And then last year was kind of like an off year for him. And, you know, the belief was that he was, you know, laboring through with an injury all year. Um, he just wasn't himself this year. You know, I thought he started off strong. And then again, you know, some of the the missteps in the defensive end have been noticeable because you know, on, on a few of those plays, the pucks ended up in the back of the Leafs' net. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, a ill-advised pass. Maybe it's just not covering the right man. Or just, I, I sometimes even wonder what he's doing on a two-on-one at times where I think he, you know, he tries to do too much. Um, and then he gets burned doing nothing at all. That's um, some of the game
2: right now is is, I think, in his own end especially, he's trying to do too much. So it's leaving somebody else, like, completely wide open or he's just, like, yeah. in between. And like he's not making a, a good play instead of just taking away the pass or taking away the guy, he's sliding all over the place. So yeah, definitely some some hiccups in his game right now. Um, he could calm down. I mean, there's still time. So there's still a lot of games to play here. If he can if he can calm down and find his game, be a little more responsible and, and play everything else exactly the same, uh, he's a dominant force out there.
0: Yeah, I definitely think he could be. And I think that, that once again, it goes back to my two Would you guys? be willing to sit Morgan Riley for a couple of games, just to allow Sandine some top reps with Brody and maybe just let Morgan sit and watch some tape, get some practice in, you know, maybe he is, you know, managing another injury again this season. We don't know. We know with the compressed, you know, schedule, a lot of players are, if not all of them. Um, I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, a one to two game reset for Morgan might be a good thing as we head into the playoffs, because really the Leafs have nothing to really play for. So, you might as well, if you're going to do a reset with some of these guys and get the rest in, this might be a perfect time to let Sandine get some top reps, you know, or, you know, some, some nice time on the top power play. You know, maybe get him up there with Brody and kind of see what you have. Um, because you just never know in the playoffs with injuries where he might be called upon to play higher up. You know, this might be a good time to kind of get him in there and get really get him going in the system. Just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Um, I'll go first on this Blair. Uh, I, so I like, I like where this idea is coming from. I don't think that it's like, all right, Morgan, we're going to give you five games off. I think a lot of this, a a lot that needs to be considered here guys. And, and I don't know, maybe it's just my like natural um, my natural instinct to like, always think of like the conspiracy part of a situation, but I do believe that the players read social media and I think it is tough for the players to, if they are reading these tweets about Morgan Riley, where like we all know, right. There's a lot of toxicity in Leafs in on Leafs Twitter, where people are basically just, they, they, they inadvertently just run. They're trying to run Morgan Riley out of town in a season that the Leafs, this is probably the best Leafs team that I've ever seen in the last 20 years. Um, and and to me, that just doesn't sit right with me. So I think you just be adding more fuel to the fire if you're like, okay, for five games, we're just going to sit Morgan and immediately put his replacement in there for the next five games, for those five games. I think if it's maybe one or two at the end of the season, I got to look at their schedule. I know they play Winnipeg on the last day of the season. That could yep. very well mean nothing. Yeah, so they got Ottawa, Winnipeg, last two games of the season. And then before that, uh, three games against Montreal and clearly Montreal is going to be playing for something. So maybe it's one of those games. And then the Ottawa game that you sit Riley, um, maybe you don't want to play. You don't want to be putting like, I, w- I would be fine with sitting a bunch of guys in games where you're playing against teams that, that have something to play for and, and what might be pushing you a little too hard. You don't want to risk injury. So Riley does fall into that category for me. Um, but just in terms of the actual power play, I would give Sandy a look there. And I'll tell you why guys, the only reason is, is that um, I think it's just gotten a lot, really stale. The power play has gotten stale. It's too, too static. I'm watching this power play and it's the same thing. Every time there's no movement. There's, there's a, there's something called pre-shot movement that a lot of uh, hockey. Tw- it's a very famous term in hockey. Twitter is, like, where are the players moving? Are they getting the goalie to move laterally when they're just prior to a shot? And to me, it just seems like the Leafs are trying to like proverb uh, like dust the puck off. I guess that's a term in hockey too, where they're just taking too much time with the puck. They're not zipping it around quick. It's not, it's, it's on someone's stick for more than a second. And I know that seems like a short amount of time, but it actually isn't. It's too long. So I think they're just trying to get too cute with it. What they need to do is they start need to, they need to get Riley, Matthews, and Marner moving a lot more within the zone and just trying to open up a shooting lane because right now it is too static. And I think maybe if you put Sandine there, who I personally think is a, a little bit of a better passer than Riley, even right now, that could help. But uh, yeah, like overall, I just think that we just need to get more pre-shot movement and, and that's just not for Matthews, right? Obviously, we want to get Matthews the puck most often because he has the dangerous shot. But even if it's Marner, right? Marner's capable of shooting the puck. You've talked about it, Pat, right? Like, he can shoot the puck. Yeah. And him being a, a shot threat is key to that whole power play. So that, that that to me, is the one thing that I want to, want to see them work on these last eight games because uh, it can very well burn you in a seven-game series, right? So that's something I want to see.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, back on, the, on Sandin, um, you know, Riley sitting, there would have to be different variables in it, uh, like Anthony said. For me, it would be, um, I definitely wouldn't sit him for the sole purpose of seeing Sandine play up in the lineup. Uh, I would sit him if he's, if he's hurt or if he, you know, you could use a little bit of rest. Um, that would be fine. Otherwise, I'd rather see him play out of this. Um, I'm all for, if he's hurt at all, if he needs a couple of days to, to, to heal up a little bit heading into the playoffs, I'm all for that. Um, but that's, that'd be the only reason. Um, I, I, I'd like to see Morgan to work himself, self out of this defensive, um, funk he's in. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, having Sandine there and maybe getting some power play reps will also, you know, force him a little bit to try to calm down his game or maybe seek out advice. To see, okay, what's what's wrong with my game, and I'm sure the Leafs are doing. I'm sure they're showing him tape of his, uh, you know, of his 2019 uh, almost uh, Norris Trophy winner, um, you know, caliber of, of play. But you know, we'll see. Um, I have to agree with you on the point about the power play, as far as uh, you know, having standing on the first unit. Um, he definitely has silker silkier hands. It's just the quite a bit better vision for a uh, zone type of, of play like Morgan's fantastic at finding open ice and just skating it through the zone. Like it's just, he's unbelievable that way. But as far as like actually having the puck in the zone and having control, um, it's sorry. My son's on the other side of the glass banging on the, <laughs> <laughs> um, did yeah.
1: Does he have a take about the power play? I think that. he's angry
0: folks. I think he's angry. That, that's his opinion.
1: He said dad, so I don't know. <laughs> um, dad. He, get he, Austin Matthews the puck. Yeah.
2: He loves the Leafs. He almost he gets so excited when uh, when it's game time. But um, yeah, so so that's that's that. I think I think you know, Sandy on the top power play or or you split them, you know, a minute each on each unit. Um, I think he I think Sandy has a better opportunity to make a slick pass to some of these guys for a quick shot. Um you know, I thought, I thought they actually did have a few power plays that looked really, really good in the last few games, but uh, maybe didn't convert, but they're better than they have been. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you can get uh, that one-timer that Marner's got there, or even if he can, you know, he's he, he's got a laser for a wrist shot that can pretty much go wherever he wants, and his one-timer is actually pretty powerful as well. So if you can start utilizing that uh, shot in the power play as well, that just uh, – Opens up all kinds of room, and and once they start taking him, of course that leaves JT and uh, thirty four up. So, and
0: and, and and also too with San, with Sandin is he's got a very deceptive or deceptive shot. Like he can really deceive yeah. a goalie. He's got some power behind it uh, when he does let it go. So I think having a defenseman that's willing to shoot too um, will help cause some traffic in front of the net. You know, you might start getting some of these dirty goals where it might just go off someone. Um, but, you know, we've constantly discussed this, that they have to start shooting more. Like, you're not going to, in the NHL, pass the puck into the net. Um, so, you know, having, a def- or having the guy at the point that's willing to shoot might, once again, open up some additional shots. I'd like to see Marner open up some additional lanes um, by shooting more himself. Because um, I think that it's going to take a couple dirty goals to get the confidence back in this power play. Um, so it's funny what happens when you start reeling off a couple goals here and a couple goals there, you know, that confidence goes right back to your legs and, and to your hands. And, and then things go back um, to maybe not necessarily where they were because, you know, they were lights out to start the season. Like they were never going to keep up that um, trend, but to get back to even just the medium would be really good for this team as they go into, you know, into the playoffs. Um, but that kind of leads us into the next topic, which is, the Toronto Maple Leafs have become the Bay Street Bullies. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, the play of Joe Thornton as of late, as well as uh, Wayne Simmons. We started to see, you know, them start to, you know, push their weight around and, you know, and play that little bit more of a physical element that this team was lacking in the last few seasons. Um, just want to see what you guys are, you know, what your thoughts are on the big change with those two guys, um, because they seem to be coming on now at the perfect time um yeah so Anthony you know to can I get your thoughts on those two
1: um per, it's just awesome to see I'm going to quote Jake Muzzin today it's beautiful he said he quoted that's when he was asked about Jumbo today he said he's being really physical out there and it's beautiful and to me I think that that is exactly what this these not this team those guys specifically need to bring and to me like I I don't know. Again, I'm, I, it's, it's just my own brain going, uh, running amok here, but you know, there was that period of time where Jumbo hadn't scored for a a large port. What was it? 20 something games. He didn't get a, he maybe had like two points in like 25 games or something like that. And everyone's just like are writing Jumbo off for, for, uh, for, for a spot in the playoff lines. Uh, they were writing Wayne Simmons off. Oh, why? Like he looks They basically saying they look their age. They're not as engaged. Uh, that injury really set Simmons back. These are all things. These were the narratives that were running through this uh, through mainstream media, just as early as what a week and a half ago. And then now we're talking about these guys bringing the piss and vinegar that is fueling the fire of this team as they enter a, uh, the playoffs uh playoff hunt or the playoff season, sorry. And and to me, that just it tells me or it speaks to how much of a professional that Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons are. It's almost like they were just waiting for they're just they just turn the switch on. You know what I mean? It's almost like are they know that their energy couldn't possibly keep up this kind of fiery attitude, this snarl, this constant physical play for a 56 game season, obviously mix in a few injuries in there. So they're just like they probably are like, you know what? Just get me to 10 games within 10 games of the regular season. And I'm like balls to the walls. You know what I mean? So that to me speaks to their uh savviness as a veteran. And they just know when to turn it on. And clearly they are right now. I'm hoping that it's here to stay until they eventually win 16 games in the playoffs. But that's exactly what they need. Right. I think, again, I said earlier how Austin Matthews physicality to me is the, is the light switch that says that this team is, is burning. And I think he get, he, uh, he gets that, that message from the veterans. Those are the guys that he respects. Right. We've seen how Austin Matthews has celebrated the successes of Wayne Simmons when he scored those goals early on in the season, when Jumbo scored his goals. Um, the I'm not sure if you guys saw it, uh, or if the listeners have saw it, when uh, the Patty Marlowe video, when they were congratulating him on his uh, breaking Gordie Howe's record for all-time games played, Jumbo's in there uh, in his birthday suit taping up his stick. And you can just tell that these guys respect him, right so that to me speaks to his why he was brought in you know what I mean he's bringing it and hopefully he's bringing it every night and look we're we're going to get into some playoff line predictions at the end of this podcast and I'll tell you a spoiler alert that he's in mind so well let's, that, uh, let's go
2: that's a good, good segue into what I, what I my thoughts are into that so um i agree with a lot of that um obviously I, i'll start with wayne simmons it's going to be quick this guy's always playing with piss and vinegar he's, he's always uh you know getting in there getting mixed up um you know the start to season he started a little bit slow like he, he's his body's been through a lot he plays a hard game and then when his game started to pick up he was just dominant and uh he was scoring goals and he was physical he was in front of the net um winning fights and uh, you know, and then when he got hurt and he came back, it took a while to find his game. So he, he just needs to, he's the kind of person that just needs to keep on keeping on and, and, and he'll get through it and he'll find his game. But I think he's, you know, it's starting to look like he's at the point of his career where it's going to take a few, a little while of reps to get back into the flow and to find this kind of game at this point in his career. Um, And, and as for Joe Thornton, I mean, I think I think they, there was an internal conversation that just said, you know what, we're going to bring you down to the fourth line. We'll give you some PP time. Just don't get hurt and uh, stay in game shape by playing these ten minutes a game. And uh, let's let's gear up down the final stretch and and you know be a force again. Um, you know that uh, speaking of playoff lines and Anthony, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him back. Up on the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in the playoffs playing this kind of role and maybe dropping Felino down uh, either to the second or third line. But I, I like how the lines are performing. I think Jumbo and, and Simmons on that fourth line with Brooks has looked absolutely fantastic. Um, so I'd be happy with either direction they go. If they go with the same lineup, you know, minus injuries, um, I would be, I'd be fine with that. Obviously you need Zach Abosian. Um, I think he's a perfect compliment and he's, and he's been fantastic this year. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a good kill and, and I think those guys are chipping in and bringing that grit that we needed and, and even Joe Thornton, uh, you know, putting that hat on, you know, in his, uh, his plays declined, obviously at his age, um, has been a good testament to of what a true leader is.
0: No, most I guess, before we go into our playoff lines. You know, we can't have this first podcast after Nick Foligno's, you know, introduction to the Leafs and Leafs Nation to not get talked about and give him some, you know, give him some love. But I, I really liked what he brought the first couple of games. You know, I, I thought that, you know, he, he meshed. He did look kind of out of place. and Even he admitted as much, you know, after the first game. But, you know, he was really grateful for Matthews and Marner to kind of, you know, help him get, you know, get, get his stride. And by game two, I thought he looked really good on that top line. Uh, I think he brings very similar elements to what um, Zach Hyman does. You know what both of them are going to bring. Um, you know, you're never going to have to question Nick Felino's work ethic, his drive, his physicality. Uh, and I thought that that really helped, you know, raise the bar again on that physical level when it came to the Jets. I don't think the Jets really had a response. Like, I think it took them by surprise just how different this Leafs team is with Zach Hyman out, but now Nick Felino in. I um, just want to kind of get your thoughts on your first impression of of Nick Foligno, uh, uh, Blair. I guess we'll start off with you.
2: Uh, I mean, I've been I've been a fan of Nick Foligno. Uh, my dad actually's uh, friends with his dad. Um, they uh, from Sudbury days, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you're gonna get what you. Like you said, every single day, every time he goes on the ice, you know what you're going to get. Um, I didn't think he looked that bad in the first game, but it, it was a little bit tough for him. You know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't an easy game, you know, finding flow and stuff. But, I mean, you can see what kind of player he was. And, and obviously, he looked really good, starting to settle in on the in the second game there. And, uh, yeah, I just look forward to seeing a lot more of that um, spread throughout the lineup with, obviously, some of the world's most talented players and, uh, you know, but like not just with Joe and, and Wayne and, you know, with Nick and Hyman and uh, Bogosian and Muzzin, like it's, it's becoming part of the culture in the dressing room when you have these guys that are on the team now. And, and, and like you said, Matthew sticking up for JT the other night. It's uh, this team has all the ingredients to be a championship caliber team. And it looks like they're starting to, they're, they're going to pull it together. And uh, hopefully, you know, this is going to translate to a long playoff run. And if, and if, it, if it doesn't, it will be only on the players.
0: No, most definitely. And Anthony, for yourself, what are your early thoughts on, um, you know, the early returns on Nick Felino?
1: Like, th- there's really not much else to say, guys. I, I think Blair covered it because the – Nick Felino was just going to be that unassuming guy, right? A lot of people, um, and look, at the end of the day, if they don't win, you know what's going to happen. The pitchforks are going to come out. I can't believe we gave a first-round pick up for a guy that played 10 or 9 regular, uh, whatever it is, 10 regular season games and – let's just say they make it to the second round or whatever. And they, they, uh, 15 playoff games or whatever, let's say, right. We play we paid a first round pick for this guy for 25 games. And then he's going to go back to the team that we just gave that first round pick for. That's the worst case scenario, right? Best case scenario. This guy is going to be an impactful player throughout the lineup for three full months, that this team goes on to win the silver thing. And he is more likely to do that and more likely to help this team win than he is for being the reason that this team loses. I do not see a way where we look at a playoff series and say, Nick Felino had more to give this game or this series or whatever. I think he is going to be impactful, whether he's beside Matthews and Marner, whether he's beside Tavares and Nylander, or whether he's driving the third line, he is gonna impact the game. We saw it already, I, was it his first game when he hit Morrissey uh, shoulder to shoulder and then Dubois went at him or something like that? Maybe, I, I don't know what to, if it was the first or the second game, but excuse me, either way, he is becoming cl- clearly a very likable character in that room. You, I, I'm just following Twitter. You see his interaction with Matthews and Marner he picks up Marner like he's picking up a, a child, like his child from daycare. When he scored that goal, uh, when he when he, Marner scored that goal off the uh, the lucky bounce off the stanchion on Saturday night, uh, you see him laughing with Matthews, uh, and he's just he just seems like a great person to have around for this playoff run, and you just know what he's gonna give you every night. I think he fits in well, and I think that he. He has some very underrated skill to make plays. And most importantly, I think he's going to really help out our penalty kill because he's a left-handed shot who can take face-offs. Um, and a lot of the Leafs penalty killers in the past that were left-handed could not take faceoffs, namely Pierre Engvall, who we can talk about when we get to our playoff lines, um, namely Elon Mikheyev for no fault of his own, other than the fact that he's a natural winger. He doesn't know how to take faceoffs. So... Nick Foligno fills a lot of gaps on this team. And I don't want people to, to not notice it. I want them to pay attention to that guy. As soon as he steps on the ice, as soon as you turn on your TV to watch a Leafs game, check, keep an eye on number 71 because he's going to impact the game. And that, and that's, that's how I think of Nick Felino and, and how he can help this team going down the stretch here.
0: All right. So here we go, folks, to wrap up this podcast. Let's go line by line as we, you know, give our two cents on what we think the Leafs' playoff lineup would look like. So let's start with line one. Um, You know, obviously, the two names that are definitely up there, Matthews and Marner, um, if I had to set up my first line today, I would be happy with either Felino or Hammond starting up on that top line with them. Um, You know, having Felino, Matthews, Marner for that first line, um, I think that kind of gives, you know, the Leafs, that, that complete element on that line. Someone's going to grind, get the puck. Um, you have Marner and Matthews. You know, you, you don't really want to separate that duo. Um, and, and it does free up a lot of other players further down in the roster. So I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what your Maple Leafs first line would be come playoffs if you were Sheldon Keefe.
2: Blair, you want to go first? My first line? Um, oh, that's such a tough question. Um, you know, I just think that uh, Kyle Dubas did uh, a marvelous job of, of making this team flexible for Sheldon Keith, um, given the fact that he likes to mix stuff up in game, uh, obviously, which we didn't see a lot of that with, with Mike Babcock at the helm, but um, I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, I'm going to stick with the top line that's in place right now with, um, with Nick Felino with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's top line.
0: And Anthony, how about yourself?
1: To be quite honest, guys, this is one of the toughest spots to fill in the lineup because it has such an impact on on the, the bottom six for me. Um, but I think even though it's a very short sample, uh, uh, I'll probably go Nick Felino here. Nick Felino or Alex Galchenyuk, those are my guys. And it, and it all depends on most of my lineup – Depends on Riley Nash's health, by the way, because I think he's in the lineup if he's healthy. Um, But for now, I'm going to go with Nick Foligno.
0: All right. So I guess, you know, that that does free up some some additional pretty interesting names for line number two. But if I'm going to create a pretty solid line number two, um, I like the traction that my three guys had earlier on in the year when they were um, put together. But I really like the concept of having Hyman Tavares and Nylander on my second line, um, because I think it it essentially mirrors that Leafs first line. Like, it, it really removes a lot of the questions, like, who's going to get the puck? You know, you know. and I just think that it allows for an additional grinder. I think it, it allows guys to play further down in the roster. Um, but I really do like having Zach Hyman on with Tavares and Nylander, as I think it just, if you're going Matthews, Marner, Foligno, and then you follow that up with you know, my second line, uh, I just think it's just going to give every team a fit because they're not, they're, I don't know how you defend essentially two lines that play a similar, similar game with skill and, and a grinder on the wing. I um, kind of want to get your thoughts, um, Anthony.
1: Yeah, so this is where I kind of veer off the uh, the beaten path here. Um, I, I, I have Hyman on my third line, guys, and uh, and in that slot beside Tavares and Nylander, it's, to me, it's either Alexander Kerfoot or Alex Galchenyuk. And who knows, maybe Nick Robertson come playoff time, but it, it's it's going to be one of those three. And the reason being is I want to free up Zach Hyman to play with Ilya Mikhaev on a third line. I know I'm jumping ahead to my line three, but I'll, I'll just say it right now. If Riley Nash is healthy, I would like to see a line of Riley Nash, Ilya Mikhaev, and Zach Hyman. And that line just specifically be your, your grunt line defensive zone starts go up against one of the other team's top two lines and clearly outwork them. And that would free up one of the top six lines to go against uh, uh, the opposing team's one of their bottom six lines. And, uh, and I think that could be a huge, huge matchup advantage for Sheldon Keith. So that's the reason why I don't have Hyman on that second line with Tavares. Although, I do think that when they when push comes to shove and they need a goal, Zach Hyman will push up there like they did early on in the season when they had Joe Thornton there. Um, but that's just my thought process. I'm working in a this is a fantasy world, obviously for us. So just let <laughs> me have this.
2: Well, I, yeah, I get, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you that because I actually agree with you on that. Um, uh, I'm gonna go uh, second line. I'm gonna go with Delchenyak on with Tavares and and. Nieler, I think. Uh, I think they like playing together. I think that they realize the potential that Chucky has um, to complement them. Uh, you know, he's he's a different player than he's ever been in his career. Right now, he he is a grinder, but we've a laser shot too, um, and we've seen it on a, on a few occasions. If he can start to pull his game together to the potential that he has, if he can even get to seventy percent of what. Potential he has, uh, what he once had, um, and incorporates this work ethic. I think he's a perfect partner, um, and and I don't disagree with with having Hyman on that third line and moving up when it comes. It's not about Hyman being a third line player or Kucharczyk being a second line player. Um, I think it's about having Hyman on that third line, um, just to uh, have a matchup uh, matchup line that's really difficult to play play against. We can have offensive zone time. For the times that we are stuck in that uh, stuck in the defensive zone, you know we have McKeever with incredible wheels, and Zach Hyman is also one of the fastest players around. Um, you know I can't I can't say that for Ryan and Nash, uh, but but second line uh, second line going Galchenyuk, Tavares, Nylander.
0: You know here's where I kind of go off the board, and I'm really really torn with this line, um, only because I do like the play of Galchenyuk, uh, my belief is, just based on what we've seen as of late, I think Pierre Engvall has played himself off the line or off the team, uh, especially he's for out the, of the playoffs. He's definitely out of the, he's out of the he's lineup. Out of the lineup. Um, so my third line, and mine's going to be a little bit interesting, um, only because I really like what I've seen from Kerfoot on the wing. Um, and really, my fourth line is really influenced, or my third line's really influenced to, you know, where I, I see the fourth line going. So I really do like the line of Brooks, Thornton, and Spezza. Um, so that kind of really influences my third line, and I would like to see Kerfoot, Nash, and Soupman, Makayev on the third line, um, because I think Makayev and Kerfoot can bring the offense, whereas I think Nash brings that defensive responsibility. Um, I and I, I I don't and a little bit of physicality um, that I think you need in a in a center. I I, I always. You know, for as much as I've become like a new age hockey fan, I do believe in strength down the middle. And I think uh, Nash brings that more so than Kerfa can down the middle. Um, (laughs) So if I'm creating a third line, um, I like the physicality that Mikheyev brings, and I like the creativity, the speed. And I think you can't have a PK without Kerfa because he has been able to score some shorthanded goals. And I think he's very influential on the offensive side of things. So I do want him in my lineup but I see him more as a winger with Nash down the middle. So you have essentially three big – actually, yeah, it'll be three centers that are fairly – with some size. Obviously, Brooks is on the, on the smaller side, but then you have the two large wingers and Spezza and Thornton on the fourth line. So you know that's kind of where I, I see the third line is with Nash, Kerfoot, and Mikheyev.
2: I, I, I just want to chip in on one thing there, that Nash is more than just a little physical. That, that's my only point. He's <laughs> yeah, just, no, no.
0: He's very physical. He's very yeah. physical. Like, But I think that's what that third line, I think, needs to look. Because it, it almost works as like a reverse to the first two lines, where you do have a little bit more of the physicality and the offense kind of maybe will begin to create itself. Um, I think Mikheyev has been snakebitten. I think he's about to break free. Um, but having Kerfoot on the wing, I think, really does free up, um, you know, some additional offense on that third line. And I think it does really reinforce by having Hyman and Foligno in the top two lines, Um, sort of an ideal for me anyways, what I see the Leafs icing uh, from a top nine perspective.
1: I don't hate that at all, Pat. I'm just like, I'm playing around with it here on uh, the cab friendly thing. I do not hate that at all because uh, based off what your lineup has, uh, has come through with here, it, you have a face-off guy for, with each, uh, of each hand right and left on all four lines uh, based off the, the way that you have uh, lined, uh, lined your team up. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I, I think, look, I, I guess at the end of the day, guys, to, cause I know we could go on. I, I Me personally, I could go on forever talking about lineup combinations, but at the end of the day, I think that if we can all agree, and I, I would like to get your opinion on this is uh, the lot, the playoff lines are going to be, the, the three main matchups I think that are going to be had here is Riley Nash. What's his health status like? Is he healthy? How quick can he get up to speed to, to play off hockey again? Because by the time he gets, uh, gets healthy, it's going to be close to two months. And is he going to be able to jump right into playoff hockey right away? That's a, that's a big factor for me uh, in terms of these lineups. Um, another thing, another matchup that I think that we all need to pay attention to is, uh, the production of, uh, Alex Galchenyuk and Nick Robertson and Alexander Kerfoot. I think those three guys kind of, other than the fact that Kerfoot can play center, I think he is more suited on the left wing, but those three guys, whoever's rolling out of those three, I think is who's going to get favored more by Sheldon Keith in terms of where they slot in. That's another thing that I would like to keep an eye on. And then obviously the third and final thing and might be the most important is where does Sheldon Keith want to force feed Zach Hyman into the lineup once he's healthy, right? Like, we're forgetting that he, he does have an MCL sprain now, guys, right? So Kenny Handel playing the 20-plus minutes a night with Marner and Matthews every other night in the playoffs uh, for the better part of two and a half months. So. Those are the three things that I factored in there. I'd like to get your thoughts on on those type of matchups that we need to keep an
2: eye on here. I'm, I'm for all the, you know, I, I really like what you said about the lefty-righty on each matchup. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. It's going to be tough when you have some of the best face-off people in the league, though. Um, you know, you're just kind of going to have to go with, because they, they perform on, on both sides, right? Um, you're just going to have to go with who's rested. And I'm glad you brought up the term matchup because honestly what I would love, I I know playoffs is, you know, it's so much about the matchups and lines trying to match lines. I would love to see Keith just, just don't like just focus on our game and have each line go out there and just roll four lines and, and control the puck and bang and crash and give each line enough time to recoup and refocus and say, okay, you're going to be up in two more shifts. You have to cycle the puck. You have to play hard. You have to get a scoring chance, right? There's, and, and just, just roll them out there. Like the, like the LA Kings, um, the first year they won the cup, that's how they won. And it was just, they just went out there and dominated every single shift. It was just all about puck possession. And I think we have a team that can do that now. And, 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 and you know, we have the skill, that can just convert on those chances after we've had the puck in the zone for a while. Like we can just do, you know, one two passes or one pass and score, right? We have snipers, we have passers, we have grinders. I, I would love this to see. Forget the matchups. Just roll four lines. Obviously, you know, you're gonna have to double shift uh, some of the top lines, or depending on how the game's going, but. Uh, I, I think this is the kind of team that you can just send out there uh, one after the other and just expect the best from every single shift.
0: I think the rolling of the four lines might be a little bit difficult I think we saw that with Mike Babcock a lot of the times where it was just like it was almost, it almost became default and it really didn't matter where in the game um, you know, the fourth line needed to sh- you know, make its appearance. So I'm kind of leery on that. I think well, you really have to take the temperature of the, of the game and, and who your opponent is. But if I'm looking at at this point, I think we're looking at there's the possibility of even playing the Calgary Flames at this point. Um, You know, it's you almost want to get in. You know, get your shots in early, get your goals in early, dominate the game early. Um, I don't see Calgary with having you know the ability to score the goals. If you can take an early lead, you know, there's a good chance you're going to win that game. Same thing with Montreal. Montreal has struggled with offense as of late without Brandon Gallagher. Um, you know it, their offense went completely cold. Like, it is crazy how a team that was scoring at a pretty respectable clip has now gone completely cold because of one roster move. And you know, unfortunately, it was an injury to, to to Gallagher that that's that's brought that's you know precipitated this. But you know, there is an opportunity that if you can get going quickly, that no matter who you're playing in the first round, I think you can really dominate those games and maybe make it a four straight and get, get some additional rest if you're not playing those additional games that you don't necessarily want to be playing, um, especially well, in a tight playoff.
2: I, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to know which dartboard I should order, one with Gallagher or one with Duck? So, uh, yeah, that's, that's... I might just get one of each for the hell of it. Yeah, at
0: this point, you know what? Amazon's delivering with next day, I've noticed, so you might be able to uh, you know meet the switch because at this point, it's it's anyone's game now with, with who the Leafs might be playing, which... You know, no one could have predicted this. I think, Anthony, when you, myself, and Lucas, you know, made our predictions for, you know, where we saw the teams ranked, um, a, a couple of us I know, or at least I know I did, I had Calgary as number two. And to see them where they're at is is quite shocking and quite telling of where their program is going. Um, but,
1: you know, just – yeah, it's just crazy to see. Who, who, would, who would you guys rather play? Sorry to interrupt, Pat, but who would you guys rather play in the playoffs? What do you think I, is the more – Advantageous uh, I, uh, opponent for the Leafs, Calgary okay. or or Montreal or for guys because it's 2021, nothing's impossible. Maybe even the Vancouver Canucks.
0: We'll see. I'm torn. I'm really torn between the Montreal Canadiens and, and Calgary. I think I think if if you're if you're playing against Carey Price, I think you might run into some issues because Carey Price playoff Carey Price seems to find that extra gear. But I just don't see where the offense is coming from with Montreal. Like I, 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 Josh Anderson, yeah, he's been great, and you know he, everyone's happy with him. But Montreal's pretty dependent on, you know, Nick Suzuki and Kontinemi being their one-two centers, and I don't know if they're there physically. I don't know if they're there talent-wise to be able to burden that much pressure. Um, they're definitely a team to be had this year, and I, I see a, a lot of similarities. With Calgary, I just I, – I don't know where their goals are coming from. Like, I think they play that grinding out, typical West West Coast style of hockey that, you know, the setters like to play. But I, I – there's no creativity in that roster. So, you know, to me, it's give me either one. I'm not too concerned. I think if I'm going to have to give it a slight edge to my choice, it would be Calgary because I do kind of am concerned or I am kind of concerned with Carey Price. But really, bring on either.
2: What about yeah. you, Blair? Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, uh, I would take, I would take Calgary at this point for sure. Um, you know, my, my main objective, like uh, the main problem for Calgary, the only problems I see really is Kachuk uh, and Markstrom being an issue. Um, but, but I, I really don't want to get into, I don't want to get into it with Carrie Price and Shea Weber if I don't have to, um, you know, Shay Weber may not be the Sherry Weber of old and Kerry Price may not be the Kerry Price of old, but they're both franchise-style players um, in their own right. And, uh, you know, I think they're both capable of finding another gear in the playoffs. I think Anderson um, is only showing, uh, uh, you know, on his best nights what he's going to be like to play in the playoffs. I think he's going to be a monster for them. Um, and, and that being said, I'd love to see it um i loved it i am dreaming about oh, that enter-
1: <laughs> entertainment wise it's not it's not a yeah. contest right who would you <laughs> rather beat in a playoff spot or playoff series it would be montreal
0: oh yeah most definitely i think i would like to see that from a historical standpoint it'd be nice to see the leaves beat the montreal Canadiens in a playoff series and maybe shut out or shut up some of the habs fans as of late but uh but yeah i, I just i don't know i, I it's funny because, like, I, I always think that you shouldn't really worry about who your opponent is because to be the best, you have to beat the best. And I just like the way that this Leafs team is been put together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You know, there, there's always concerns. There's all you're always going to have concerns, and until the games get going and until you start seeing how, you know, the, the the games start going, the types of flow, the type of style that both teams are bringing each night, it's hard to tell, but. I think if the Leafs, the Leafs are going to eventually have to meet up with these tough teams anyways, you know what I mean? Like, when we get to the semifinals, they're going to have one of the Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, you know, Vegas, Colorado. Tampa. Like, there's there are some Tampa heavier Bay. teams. Tampa Bay. Like, there are some heavier teams, you know, once the Leafs do make it or if the Leafs make it to the semifinals um, that they're going to have to come up against. But, yeah, it's I, hard. I I just I, I hate having – like, I, I like these types of conversations because it's either or, and I really do – Think that the Leafs can beat both Calgary and Montreal, but they both have their strengths that you know I think might challenge the Leafs, you know, in their own way. Like I
1: think it's just a unique
0: dynamic for both.
1: I think it's Calgary for me. Like I think the I think the Leafs match up better against the style of play that Calgary plays. To me, Montreal for for all the lack of talent, like in terms of Actual skill that Montreal has in their forward group. They have a lot of speed, and I think that speed, uh, speedy forward groups, have the best chance of making our defense falter. And and I don't think Calgary has that, which is why I would probably rather play Calgary. Um, But that doesn't mean that if the Leafs were to play Montreal in a seven-game series, that they shouldn't still be favored. And See, it would be just the most disappointing thing ever if they were to lose to Montreal.
0: No, uh, the, way, the way I look at Montreal is, and you're right, Anthony, with the Fords being very speedy, but the defensemen just based on the fact that they don't have a really fast skating defenseman. You know, like their other defense has been Petri. very... Other than Jeff Petrick. Like, and the rest are just stagnant. Like, they're big. Yeah, they'll hit you. But if you get going and, and you get them skating the Leafs should be able to outskate the Montreal Canadiens defense where I think Calgary has a little bit more foot speed on, on the defensive side of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I can definitely get uh, – look, either way, I I think that they, uh, they're better than both of the teams and they should be – they'll be heavy favorites. Maybe not heavy, but they'd be heavy favorites to move on in a seven-game series because uh, I don't see them losing four games out of seven against either of those, uh, three team either of those two teams, but, um, yeah, it's just, to me, there's something about Montreal sports where, um, their, their speed can cause problems. And, and obviously it's like, Carrie is. everyone talks about Carrie price, like he's the boogeyman, um, because you never, you never want to wake him. And, and if he does, you're in trouble. So, like I, I agree with Blair you just you just want to stay away from that because um, all it takes is a, is a week and a half of good play and you're playing against the, the what used to be the best goalie in the world. Yes yeah. right? no, that's,
2: so. that's and that's the only thing like I'm with you as far as like it is just answering the question more or less on my part I, I, I'll play anybody um, I don't care but if if I had to pick um, like who I would think would be more beatable uh, Calgary. Um, for us, particularly, um, who would I rather watch? Absolutely, Toronto, Montreal, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, that's it for me.
1: And and I know we're short on time, but just quickly, then maybe if you guys want to shoot off, who'd you rather play, Winnipeg or Edmonton in a second round matchup? If that Winnipeg works out that way,
0: you give Winnipeg, me Winnipeg. A? Winnipeg next see, round.
1: See, I'd uh, I'd rather yeah. take Edmonton.
2: I'd rather take Edmonton. So Edmonton. Uh, push me. I know I, think... I know.
1: McDavid and Dreisaitl are, are, again, like the boogeyman, but I just think that they don't got the depth, and I think Winnipeg does, even though their defense is is worse than Edmonton. But Connor Hellebuck scares me. That's another one. But I think he's temperamental. I think I
0: think he oh, showed, yeah, that too. <laughs> right? Like, if you can get a couple early goals on Hellebuck, you can beat him. And I think the Leafs showed that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, he got, he got benched after allowing the three quick goals in the first game. You know, he's going to come back with a vengeance. And then he still let in four goals in the second game. You know, I, I, I think the Leafs forwards are beginning to challenge him more. Um, he does have holes in his game. And, and I think he's, he almost reminded me of Campbell, that if you can get in their heads, I think you can beat them. If you can make them question their game, I think Hellebuck's beatable. Whereas with Edmonton, M- McDavid. I think McDavid, I think McDavid, Dreisaitl, they can score you into a hole. Um, but there's an interesting twist because I think, wasn't it yesterday or today, Mike Smith went off with an injury at you know during practice? Like, you know, we don't yeah, know what that... the prognosis is with, with him. Like, that could completely uh, like change who plan. I want to play if, if we know where he's at. Come playoffs as well. You know what I mean. So, but, but just... even then,
1: Pat, on that front, I would rather bet on Mike Smith not playing up to the standard that he's been playing all season, just for the fact that he's 41. There's True. He, he doesn't have a track record of keeping up with his ridiculous save percentage right now. Whereas if you play Connor Hellebuck, like we the Leafs have been burned by Connor Hellebuck, not this past series against the Jets, but the series before that, like. When did, whenever Anderson got hurt, remember Hellebuck. Oh yeah, we got bullied. We,
0: yeah, we got bullied by both
1: him and Bressois, Him and right? So
0: yeah.
1: like look, I, I again Edmonton, I think is kind of the perfect blend of entertainment value. You got the, probably two of the best players in the world going head to head in Matthews and McDavid on national television in Canada. Uh, Twitter is actually going to be a war zone. Like I might have to wear a hard hat every time <laughs> I log on. If we play them in a series, and uh, and and also the fact that I just think that the Leafs have the better matchup
2: there. let's well, do. But let's, overall, do I do. Let, let's go. go. First round we'll play Montreal. Second round we'll play Edmonton, and third round we'll play uh, Winnipeg, and then we'll be win the cup against Tampa. No, third <laughs> round, we want, third
1: third round we want Boston, and we're going to avenge ourselves. That's what. Yeah,
0: we're, we, we're definitely owed a we're definitely owed a series win against Boston. But you know what, gentlemen? Tonight's conversation has been fun. Um, you know, it's been great coming back after a one week hiatus, um, look out for this podcast going live, you know, we are recording on the Monday night. So going live Tuesday at noon, um, definitely head to centerstation.com for all our upcoming blogs. And as well, we actually have a special guest coming on our podcast next Tuesday. We have Justin Bourne from Sportsnet, um, where we'll be talking about Frederick Anderson, William Nylander, the Leafs, and so much more. Thanks everyone for listening. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. And uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this podcast?
1: Nope. Take care, guys. Have a good week.
0: Have a good week. Cheers, guys.